Welcome to the Collections by Michelle Brown Show, a show about people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality as they create change. This episode is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services. Welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. I'm your host, Michelle Brown. Each week, we'll be talking with people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality, and creating change. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Memorial Simpson. Memorial Day is observed every year on the last Monday of May. It's a day to remember the men and women who died while serving whereas Veterans Day in November celebrates the service of all U.S. military veterans. But what happens to our veterans on the days we don't set aside to honor them? Many successfully re-enter their communities, but it's not the case for all veterans. The U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development estimates that close to 40,000 veterans are homeless on any given night. LGBTQ veterans suffer from a host of service-connected mental health issues, yet continue to endure discrimination and often struggle with the reintegration process after service. Dr. Simpson is a six-year Army veteran who served as a company supply sergeant from 1982 until 1988. Working in medical and military police units, she was stationed in such locales as South Korea and Germany. She's a passionate veterans advocate. In the spring of 2016, she founded My Brother's House, a nonprofit organization providing safe, supportive housing to LGBTQ veterans and their families. She has an extensive educational background with an undergraduate degree in management studies, a master's degree in human services, and a doctorate in biblical counseling. Dr. Simpson has directed a day program serving mental health and special needs clients in the Washington, D.C. area, and has managed a homeless shelter in Long Island, New York. Nationwide in scope, My Brother's House seeks to vigorously address the problem of veteran homelessness through its services and facilities. These multi-bed residences will meet the shelter and short-term crisis counseling needs of returning, disabled, and elderly veterans. In 2018, Dr. Simpson was recognized as one of DBQ Magazine's Loud 100 LGBTQ People of Color. The list recognizes outstanding individuals whose accomplishments have encouraged and inspired. Dr. Simpson firmly believes that those who kept us living without fear on the battlefields and oceans of the world should be free from fear when they return to civilian life. Dr. Simpson, welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing great. Well, I'm, I am so glad to have you. You know, often 
here in Michigan, we hear, I mean, just horrible stories about veterans because, you know, budget cuts who basically they're wandering the streets, even though they have benefits and stuff that might help them. And you hear stories about, you know, the long waits to get health services. And people are just like falling through the cracks. And these, I mean, like as they say, but for the grace of God, you're a veteran. You know, mm-hmm. you could have been, been for that. You served eight, uh, six years in the Army. That was under, that was pre-Don't Ask, Don't Tell, right? That's correct. It was during the Reagan administration, actually. Mm-hmm. How did that affect you, and how do you see that? Because many people think that, oh, well, now you've got Don't Ask, Don't Tell, all veterans should be fine. How do you see that still affecting people? Well, when I served, let me just take you back there, there was no don't ask, don't tell. That just didn't exist. You, if, we're, if you were found or you, you, someone thought that you were gay, a gay person, you were subject to being discharged dishonorably. You were subject to being jailed. You were subject to just inhumane things as far as I was concerned. So we sort of just didn't say anything and we hid. Mm. And it was just, it was really a tough, tough time, but you did what you had to do during that time. Why did you enlist? Well, I'm, I'm an inner city kid. I was from, mm-hmm. I'm from Newark, New Jersey. Didn't have very many opportunities. Um, didn't have very many actual heroes either at the time, during the time. So what I wanted to do was find a way to educate myself. And one day at high, in high school, you know, you get the recruiters, you have college day, you get recruiters coming by. Uh, I remember college days and wondering, well, how am I going to pay for this? Because they really gave you great pamphlets on the schools, and, and we were often, oftentimes offered the opportunity to visit during camp, you know, during those specific days that they put aside for people to visit the campuses. And, but when it came to the tuition, I, I was really wondering, why, well, how do people pay this, <laughs> this tuition? Because mm-hmm. uh, my parents, they, they were, we weren't very wealthy at all. We didn't have a lot of money. So once I uh, heard a recruiter came, and immediately once he told me what he would offer if I signed up with the U.S. military, uh, that was my saving grace. So I joined the military because I wanted to go to college. Mm. And, you know, know, and it's interesting. That's today's stories, too. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. you you still talk to young people, particularly Mm -hmm. who are from urban areas, Mm -hmm. who there aren't jobs, there aren't possibilities if they want to go to, to college, that that's the pathway. Mm-hmm. And it worked. I mean, I went, I joined. They offered me uh, an opportunity to pay. They offered an opportunity to pay for my education, and they did. So the military paid for my undergraduate degree, and I was really happy about that. But it was, it wasn't without a struggle. Just sort of stayed focused because many of my friends that went with me, uh, they just didn't do it. Uh, they ended up, you know, we had the same opportunity, but just sort of fell out a little bit off focus. Um, but mm. that's why I joined. So I didn't want the life that I had, and I knew I needed to do something different. And I believed that education was the way out. Had anyone in your family had a military career? No. I'm the mm. first person 
in my immediate family that went into the military. I'm the oldest female, um, and I'm the only one that actually went in my immediate family to college and finished. Mm. Wow, that's great. Now, you know, I have to ask you, your first name, Ramoya, is that a family name? (laughs) Yes, that's a family name. The truth behind that name is that my father, um, he's going to kill me, my father (laughs) was infatuated with a woman, and that's what he believed her name was when he was a small boy. He was a young man, maybe, well, yeah, he was, a, he was a young man. He was yeah, maybe a teenager. And he said that this lady was always very nice to him. She was a young lady. She was very, very nice to him. And, he, and she left an impression on him because he said that once, if he ever had a girl, that's what he would name her. So that's where the <laughs> name came from. So, you know, so you go in and mm-hmm. you got an education and when mm-hmm. you find now, do young vets, do they identify with that story? Does that help you get inroads into working and talking to vet people about veterans issues? The fact that you have that background, you've served? Mm-hmm. Well, not just young people. You can go into the military up to age, I believe, 33. Mm-hmm. People are going into the military. You have single moms that are enlisting just to take care of the wow. children. And, yeah, so, I mean, these, these are women 28, 30 years old. Uh, but more importantly, people are just trying to go into the military for a better life. Enlisted, I find, mostly from the urban, yeah, urban areas, even from the south, even from, mm-hmm. the, from southern, the, the southern states. People are going in because they want a better life. They, they may not have the money for an education, or they may just want the job. You can do 20 years of military service and retire. Mm. So it, it, offers, it offers a way out. If you stay focused and get decent commands and get people that are in a decent, decent command, meaning that decent commanders, people that are over your actual companies, because there's so much control in the service. So you really take a chance. And I really feel fortunate that I wasn't outed early whereas my whole life could have been over because had I been outed earlier, I would have not had the opportunity to go to school because that money would have been forfeited. I would have been Mm. kicked out of the military, and I would have been jailed. Wow. I mean, it's hard to believe, you know. I mean, in these days, I mean, first of all, you know, how the military has changed. Like, well, now it's all voluntary. You know, there's no draft. But then to go Mm -hmm. from that point of time to where now you have – don't ask, don't, we went from don't ask, don't tell to people mm-hmm. serving openly in the mm-hmm. military. Mm-hmm. And here, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, had you been outed, not only would you have forfeited, you could have been jailed. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean when you, as you sit back, what has it been like for you seeing all these changes in the military going from, you know, that just don't, be, don't get caught to where it is Basically. today? Well, I, I, I don't know what people believe, but this is what I believe. There are times when the system isn't doing, isn't right. It's not always right, you know. And, and in our instance, people in different countries can serve. Now, sexuality is one thing. And because we were a country that really was, we didn't really favor 
homosexuality. It wasn't looked at as favorably. Uh, we've been hiding forever. So mm-hmm. as an African-American person also, we haven't been looked upon favorably a lot in our country as well. So coming from that, I watched my parents manage through a system that was not very favorable. So once I w- watched my mom uh, come from the South, still afraid of police officers, still getting on the bus and not really feeling comfortable sitting in the front. Now, seeing her do that, the, the, the point for her was just to get on, get where she had to go. Her focus was just to get where she had to go, regardless of how unfair the system may have been. So therefore, I took that with me into the service. My focus mm-hmm. was to get to where I had to be. I, 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 I couldn't change the law. I just, and then being young and really wanting to be free, I knew that I truly wasn't free. So my focus was to get in there, do what I had to do, and get my education because education, I felt at the time, would give me the freedom. So today, I am so happy. I was happy, I was happy about Don't Ask, Don't Tell. I didn't still think it was mm-hmm. right, but it was a step. You know, it was, it was, a, it was a baby step. <laughs> and then I was elated when it was okay when people were under the Obama administration where service members were uh, able to serve openly. I was very happy to live and see that in my lifetime. You know, along with the ha- seeing a black president, you know, I was happy about that too. I, in my lifetime, was able to see that. So I was excited mm-hmm. for the new soldiers and sailors that are entering to the military. I was really excited for them because that was not my situation. They could serve. Uh, you have a better um, – your morale is much better. You can't even imagine how it feels to serve. Most people, well, I'll say straight counterparts, can't even imagine what it feels like to serve and be hiding. I mean, who, who does that? I mean, how do you do that? But you do it. You, you stay focused and you do it. And you support, you support what's right, but you have to do it in a very, I guess I want to say conservative type of way because mm-hmm. you don't want, yeah, I, because I truly, truly could not afford to get kicked out of the military. I, I just couldn't afford to do that. What else? I, in my mind, I couldn't think of anything else that I, could, that I would be able to do if I were to get kicked out of the military on a dishonorable discharge because of my sexuality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, we... Mm-hmm. No, go ahead. Cool. You know, it, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, I had um, met a veteran, and um, about the time that they legalized marriage, she said, well, you know, I have to get a divorce now. I said, what do you mean you have to get a divorce? Because when she was in the military, she and a gay man got married. She said it also meant that they had off-base housing and stuff, but they had got married and they had never, and there was a way that, you know, benefits-wise, it just sort of worked out, but they never got a divorce because they didn't see where they would ever be able to be married. And now once, you know, marriage equality came along, she was like, oh, now I have to divorce him. And, you Mm -hmm. know, and, but to think that, like you said, part of it was, they got married to keep up that cover. Mm-hmm. Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. And that happened so much. Where do you really think we were going to party? We partied. Now, we still had a good time, but we went to, there was, I remember, especially overseas, um, we were even smaller overseas because we had to look out for each other. 
so we there was some there was always some person and and sometimes it was a straight person that was just okay with the fact that that we were gay um someone that we really had to trust but most of us hung out with each other and there were a couple of instances where people had gotten married because the law said that we can't do this but the law says we do this so we were following basically the law it wasn't our truth mm-hmm. but we we followed the law and that's how we managed as well the law said this okay we'll do it mm-hmm. so we we lived i mean we we lived the lie we were used to living the lie so why not just try to make the best out of it those were the best house parties ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh my right. gosh. Yeah. You know, you, you 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 make an interesting point too of what you've seen in your life. Like not only did you go in and you've seen what's happened as far as LGBTQ equality, but when you uh, I mean there there's three things. You went in as a gay person and you, you went you've seen that trajectory change. You went in as a woman and what women can do in the military now has grown. But you mm-hmm. also went in as an African-American. And you've seen things change as for African-Americans. Like you said, we have President Obama. Mm-hmm. But you've seen them change. But what other challenges you still see from this unique position that you have as a veteran, as a lesbian, as a woman? unique um, human equality is just just should be what it is I mean everyone should should just have the opportunity to experience that it's still not there we're still fighting for that things that are happening like, like the changes the three things you've mentioned um, going into the military well first the, well, the military was segregated too Women and men mm-hmm. didn't serve in the same military. Yeah. There was a separate one. And I came into the military just a few years after they – it was a cooperative military, so they brought us all together. So that was, tra- that was hard because the guys weren't ready for women to be there, and they were acting like idiots because we were women. So we had that challenge. Um, so even backing up further before the, the uh, Don't Ask, Don't Tell stuff, it, in my lifetime – with seeing all these changes, I'm happy that there are changes being made towards human equality all the way around. I'm happy to have seen that. Um, again, we have so much further to go. We, we really do. We have, as a society, I mean, as a world. For me, I've just learned to, interestingly enough, understand a system live within a system, manipulate my way through that system to come out maybe to give back. Because at this point right now, if I had to counsel a person that was in the military, um, and I do, there's so many problems, PTSD, different things that are going on that, that we have to face. I mean, just to be trained to be a soldier, sometimes that that's a psychological, causes people psychological issues. Um, so what I'd like to do at, th- at this point, just offer support through faith, whatever your faith is, because the mm-hmm. only way I got through all of that was through my faith. At the time, you know, my parents uh, were devout Christians, very stern, very strict. Um, there are a few things that I, I saw, you know, no one was, no, they weren't perfect. Um, neither were lots of people around me, and I guess I wasn't looking for that, but I got tired of you saying one thing and doing something else that just didn't work for me. 
so when I try to counsel people to stay in their truth and live in their truth, sometimes you can't because of the systems. So the systems won't allow you to to be like like now because of human the the inability for equality that in in and of itself is an issue. We are not able to be or experience the same rights as the next person, therefore putting a value possibly on my life or your life. And that's where we have a problem. That, that's really where the problem is. So, again, we have to lean on our faith, I've, and that's why I counsel based on faith, because mm-hmm. man, man doesn't get it right. You know, he doesn't get it right all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you just have to manage through. So that's, I don't know, and, and my story, I can tell my story so I can empathize with the situation in, three, in, in many different ways, as a black person, as a woman, as a gay person. So I come with a different set of feelings when it comes to the military because every soldier, I can, I can relate to being a soldier. Mm-hmm. But the fairness, the fairness isn't there, and I can relate to being a soldier that has not been treated fairly. So it's really, I, I really push people towards their faith, and, and that's a higher, higher belief in something. And it doesn't matter because uh, the people that live in my brother, at my brother's house, they receive counseling from me um, just to stay on track, and it's all faith-based. When you, after you came out, I mean, and, you know, you've got your degree, you've got, you've got a work background, you've done a lot of things. When did you start to advocate for veterans, and when did it go from just being, like, being concerned about veterans' issues to where your advocacy moved to you were ready to start my brother's house. Okay. And this is, I don't know how this is going to sound. A few years ago, now, I didn't realize that I was a veteran. And this may sound crazy. I didn't. There hmm. are things going on. And this, this is, I would say, uh, no, I knew I was a veteran, but I didn't know that meant anything or there was any benefits associated with that. I figured, okay, I'm going to go in the military, get my education. That's my benefit. I found out or realized that there are so many people, especially women, that don't really realize that they're veterans. Some people believe that you have to have fought in a war or the campaign to really be considered a veteran. Mm-hmm. So just because... And, and because there's so many homeless people out there, and then to break that down and to figure out, okay, you, you served in the military. Okay, yeah, well, what campaign did you serve in? Oh, I served in this campaign or I served in that campaign. Or I didn't serve, I just did peacetime. Whatever, whatever you did, you're still considered a veteran. And I went to get a job one day, and filling out the application and understanding, you know, checking the block, I just didn't check that. And someone knew, they said, weren't you in the military? I said, yes, I was. But they said, weren't you a veteran? I said, well, no, I didn't fight this war. They said, well, no, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. You're a veteran. So what I, what I, which was interesting, also coming from a person that never really felt that there was a lot of privilege or benefit, you know, I didn't come from a lot of that. So I just didn't think, I thought after I got my education paid for, that money ran out, that was it. And also the, the opportunity to get a home, I, I found that out so I can get a home with no money down. Oh, okay, that's another benefit. So I started looking mm-hmm. into actual benefits. <laughs> you know, what, what do I have here? What am I eligible for? So I, I contacted the Department of Veterans Affairs. And then I realized, okay, well, this is what I am, this is what I have. 
when I processed out of the military, those things were not made clear to me. Hmm. They weren't made clear to me. So what I started to do was I started to delve a little bit more into, you know, veterans affairs and the needs of veterans. That's when I became an advocate. And I started calling my friends because I was in the military, people, we were calling each other. And I'm like, did you, were you aware that this is something that we have, we have this benefit or we have that benefit? Some of us knew it and some of us didn't. Like some of my friends who've been renting apartments, I'm like, do you understand that you could get a house and the VA will co-sign for you? I didn't know that. And so it became like, uh, I don't know, that's kind of when it started. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, then, and then to move on it, realizing that there were so many veterans that were homeless and, and um, well, with addictions. Because another mm-hmm. thing about military service, you know, uh, you, get, you, go, you travel all over the world in some instances, but for the most part, every Friday, the practice was you drink. You're drinking every Friday. So that's mm-hmm. something that you just did. I mean, like today, people work all week, they drink Friday. But sometimes dealing with what you have to deal with, which makes a unique, a different, makes the military a different type of job, the drinking you sort of turn to and then you keep doing it because it is actually um, indirectly pushed on you to do so. Because being mm. in the military is, is not a, it's not a democracy at all. Being in the military, being a soldier, that's a dictatorship. There's, there's no free, nothing, no, you don't have the freedom to think anything. You do what someone tells you if they have more rank than you. So that's a totally different way of living. We fight for democracy, but we live in a dictatorship, if that makes any sense to you. No, so, yeah. yeah. So what I decided to do was, well, okay, we've gone through all these changes. Now, I, I, I wasn't told this during my out-processing period, so I'm wondering what, what else is there and who else needs this help? So that's when I started thinking about being an advocate for, for veterans. That's when I just mm-hmm. started thinking about it. And then we got into people um, not being able to have housing and then being homeless. I'm like, wait a minute, homeless people? Veterans? Hmm. Well, how can you serve for the country and then be a homeless person in the country? See, that just didn't make sense to me. It just didn't make any sense. So my brother and I, um, fast forward, we were you know, having our properties and we were renting, you know, just helping people out. And we decided to more specifically look into veterans that, I mean, look into veterans that were homeless, then noticing the crisis and just simply deciding, okay, this is what we're going to do. That's Mm. pretty much it. So that's Mm -hmm. how it started. So eventually we just have a couple of guys that we met, uh, even from our past that we would meet up with old friends. Yeah, well, you know, I have a place. If you need a room, let me know. Come on by. If you know someone who needs a room, if they're out and they need some help, come on by. Um, and you can hang out here, and we'll, we'll work with you. So that started, and that kept going on and on and on. <laughs> so I said, hmm. wait a minute. We have to do this on a larger scale. So then hmm. I created the nonprofit. I said, okay, we're going to need some help with this. Let's put this on a, a larger platform. Let's make this happen. Um, so let's do that. Now, all along, all along, I've housed many veterans but I've housed many veterans as a lesbian person. Mm-hmm. And most of the vets, I don't know if they knew, it, it never came up. I didn't care. It wasn't an issue. I've housed everybody. When it came to the LGBTQ veterans, of course, I thought that everyone who was in the business of housing veterans housed all vets. 
then I discovered that there was um, there's still that stigma. Mm-hmm. And then that, that turned the corner for me. That turned the corner. I still house all veterans. But I especially am now looking to make sure that there's housing, safe housing, not just housing, safe housing for the LGBTQ veterans. So that's kind of how it evolved. Mm-hmm. You know, I, that, that, the part that you talked about how when you came out and you didn't recognize your visits and you, you're, you're a veteran and you had come there, but, you know, do you find for many women veterans that's the case? Because I can recall having interviewed women veterans and, like you said, either they don't check the box or mm-hmm. people who look at them don't consider them, well, you know, it's not like they That's fought right. over in Iraq, you know, that That's right. discounting That's it. Right. Is, there, is that gender bias still Absolutely. prevalent? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the only, thing that, the only thing that we female veterans can do is just be there, be out, be everywhere, you know, let people know, grab the hat, go to the VA hospital, uh, and, and go to the, the, the stores and buy the Army memorabilia or your military memorabilia. They have hats, the veterans' hats. Buy them and wear them. Get your mm-hmm. pens. Let people know that that's who you are. You have your DD-214 just like the next guy. That, that, mm-hmm. that document says that you're a veteran and it says the time you've served and when you served and what branch of service you served in and what your discharge was. That's a DD Department of Defense form called a DD-214. So... I have the same thing he has. So, therefore, I am a veteran, just like he is. Mm-hmm. And you have women that are really, I mean, specialists in, in their field. So I did notice the gender bias because even among women, because we, we, we weren't even respecting each other's service, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. Yeah. Well, we're going to take our first break here. Um, if you're just joining me, I'm talking with Dr. Ramoria Simpson. She is the founder and CEO of My Brother's House. And we'll be right back. This episode of Collections by Michelle Brown is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services, bringing balance to your mind, body, and spirit. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit the Center at www.thecenterforpeacellc.com. back with Dr. Ramoya Simpson. You know, that statistic that um, that HUD says that any given night there's like 40,000 veterans are homeless. And you know, with, I live in Detroit, like, especially in Michigan, like, there was such a huge cut on all kinds of services. And I can recall one instance where there was a gentleman who where everyone just assumed, you know, in fact, they turned and walked away because he was homeless. He seemed a little bit, you know, out there, and many mm-hmm. people were afraid of him. And there, there'd be places where he'd come around, and we'd feed, you know, we'd slip him a little money or anything. 
And at one point in time, he came and he was talking to a group of us. And in that conversation, it came out like he talked about his service. And yes, he was really confused. And when someone recognized it and got him some assistance, you know, there were benefits, there were things that Mm -hmm. they were doing it, but the system had failed him. He had fallen between the cracks and he was out here homeless. And, you know, that to me, like you said, how can you serve your country and protect our freedoms and then be homeless? It's such a huge problem. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, that that is a part also. I mean, please do understand that the the Veterans Affairs Department uh, they're they're doing a lot of work because I work with a lot of people now. Um, we're we're networking together to help with this to help with the situation of homelessness, not only homeless veterans, but our veterans who are suffering with mental illness. That's mm-hmm. a major issue. It's a major issue, and there is help for them. But we have to identify them, and then we have to find resources for them, but there is help for them. You know, um, uh, there are so many veterans out there that, that are falling between the cracks because of their mental illness, uh, they, they're not able to express themselves. Their families aren't able to advocate for them. Um, and then, like you said, not understanding what that person went through, if they were in combat, if what, what they experienced, um, sometimes those things crack the minds of normal people. And they're just normal people that have had situations happen that, that I, that's how I see it, that crack the mind. Mm-hmm. They can't live with it. It's just too much. I mean, I house my house. I... Um, Council veterans that they're homeless, but there's a shelter for them that was created, and they're out in really the woods, and they will not come in. They're fine. Mm. They don't want to have anything to do with the society, the system, and we we try to go out. I don't do that anymore because I'm not, as a female, I'm not going to do that. But, you know, there are guys Mm -hmm. that that are really close enough to them that aren't afraid to be out in the woods and and find their brethren out there. Um, Women tend not to do that to that extreme. They're out there, but they tend to stay closer to cities, you know, and their churches and things like that. But it's just really horrible what's going on with that. Um, and people need to be educated on, first of all, mental, health, mental illness. That would help a lot. And people don't need to fear them. Uh, people need to just be educated because understand nobody was born. You don't come into this world and then decide, okay, well, I'm going to grow up to be, uh, you know, have this mental illness or I'm going to grow up to be homeless. That's not, that's mm-hmm. not a plan. You know, that sort of happens. You sort of, you're sort of thrown into the system and the system shakes you up and tosses you out. So you just have to be able to manage that. So there's a lot of, there's help out there. I don't know that it is enough, but there's definitely help out there. So uh, when anybody here of anyone, talk, uh, any veteran that needs um, assistance, and they're dealing with homelessness or mental illness, there are numbers that people can just call. You can just call the Department of Veterans Affairs and get all types of phone numbers to get that person help. Now, you know, we talk about in shelters, and I've also talked about people who um, who work with, like, senior centers and things, mm-hmm. and, like, you would think that everything should be all right. But I know when I worked with a homeless shelter, and when someone came in who was openly gay, openly trans, openly Mm -hmm. queer, even 
because either because of a lack of knowledge or not knowing, mm-hmm. there is mm-hmm. a way that they segregated them from the, gen- the rest of the population or they treated them in a way that was different, which, like you said, made them feel uncomfortable to the point where some people would rather be on the street than go into right. the shelters yeah. that are supposed to be, you know, where you're supposed to go. Were you seeing that when you were managing the, the, the homeless shelter in Long Island? Well, see, fortunately for me, I'm the one running the shelter. So mm-hmm. I, I'm welcoming everyone in the shelter. You're not going, mm-hmm. you're not going to display any uh, acts of violence or, or anything or discrimination with me. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. So with me doing that, yeah. But in, in, in this business of human services, it's absolutely true. I mean, the shelter could be the church. And if the person's not really paying attention, um, the uh, LGBT citizens, you know, they can be, they can be hurt. Um, people have different ideas about homosexual people. Uh, some see them as sexual deviants. Some see them. I mean, there's so many different things that, that, that there's so much ignorance out there. And, yeah, people sort of stay away from, from expressing their actual, their sexuality. They don't, they don't, they don't, they don't tell you who they are. Now, what we need to do is um, there's a lot that needs to be done because there's, 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 that's why that I, I'd like have to open up a house exclusively for our own people, mm-hmm. the LGBT community. That's, that's a great segue into that because, again, I've gone to different cities, many different cities, to the veterans' homes looking for the LGBTQ veterans, and then they're really tucked in there nicely if I can find one at all. No one's saying anything. Now, I may be able to spot out a man or think that because, and that could be my own bias because I think I should be able to spot out a gay person, you know, with my gaydar. <laughs> <laughs> Especially know. if he's a bit flamboyant. Right, right. If he's a bit uh-huh. flamboyant, but I know how to phrase my questions to see if the person is or not. You know, I'll use terms like, okay, you know, when we were in Europe, you know, we, family, you know, we were family, we would hang out here. Now, if they would respond to the to the question or to the terms that I would that I would use that would really make you understand, because we had that you know we had that underground talk you know we knew mm-hmm. how what how to talk you know I mean your family mm-hmm. so we all knew we were gay or something like that <laughs> when we when we spoke that way so the lingo was there so if I could find a way to talk to people but it was really difficult because they didn't want to be homeless and it was so sad you you came into the military and, and these are older people like you said these are seniors. When I say seniors, I mean 60 or above is what I'm saying in, in the, at the VA residences and um, things like that. So you don't have the same energy that you have when you were in your 30s to go out there and compete with, and, and get housing, and it's expensive. It's, it's kind of expensive. And a lot of gay people don't have children, so, you know, it's mm-hmm. just that's all they have. And as you go in, a lot of people, this is something people don't know, a lot of gay people go into the military to go get away from their families. Because the families are putting them out. Mm-hmm. And I always said I left before they had a chance to put me out. Yeah, I, I just went out. yeah that's, that's what I said. But mm-hmm. I think that with people, um, oh, my goodness, it's really sad, and we have to do something. So I'm hoping that the LGBTQ community steps up and does something. I'm going to open up a house exclusively for the LGBTQ veterans. And, and now, don't get me wrong. 
gay, I mean, straight people can stay, <laughs> but it's absolutely a safe home, is a safe house, because that's how it should be. It should be that way. We should be able to mark the house with the U.S. flag, and everybody should feel safe and secure there. But that's not our case, and we haven't gotten there yet. So, I don't know, this is my small contribution to, to you know, a step in the right mm-hmm. direction as far as human equality. So now the house, and people will know, this is absolutely a gay-friendly house, so we want you to understand that. So it's going to be interesting how this is going to turn out because, you know, Michelle, I really don't know because there isn't one. So mm-hmm. we will see what happens. We will see what happens. Now, you are serving veterans everywhere, and you know, mm-hmm. as, as members of our community, often not only do we leave to get away from our families, we mm-hmm. have been hated and not felt mm-hmm. the love coming from our church community. You yeah. offer faith-based counseling. And some mm-hmm. people, I mean, there are some people who, who are, want to be that, but there are some people who need to find their way back. But initially when you said faith-based, like they're going to go, yeah, you know, they, they talk about me and that's why I ran. How mm-hmm. are you overcoming that? And how do you let them know that this is a safe place? That's a great question. That's a great one because that's the tough part. Faith-based, when we came up, well, when I decided to to do faith-based counseling, I have to back up just a little bit. The way I felt that I was able to survive the system and manage, because lots of times I was in places by myself. I had no support. I didn't have any, I, I wasn't sure, you know, who was in my corner, who wasn't. So I believed that if I prayed, you know, God would hear me. I believe that. So whatever I believed is. So whenever I felt I was in a spot, you know, with drinking and drugging and all that stuff, when I felt that I was in that situation, I wanted to get out of it, I prayed and I asked God to help me. I, I, I stopped. So I believe that. So your faith is whatever you believe in. Now, it's not just Christianity, Catholicism, is, you know, Islam. It's not. It's mm-hmm. whatever you believe. Now, what I've done, I've partnered with community um, faith-based organizations. I've partnered with community pastors, uh, and it doesn't matter. So your faith can be, you can be a Muslim if you like. So what I do is I partner with people that you, it can't, you cannot teach hate in your church mm-hmm. or your or community. That's not something, I don't partner with people that, that teach hate or, or mis, mis, I don't know, misguide folks to control them. So I'm really careful with how we do that. So most, for me, most of the, Christ, most of the veterans are Christian, of, of Christian faith. And most of the churches are filled with LGBT people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> most of them are filled mm-hmm. in the South and the North, all over the place. So there is, there is this sense of faith because even, although the families may have ousted them based on what they understand how the faith should be practiced, there's still that seed of love because people know the basic premise of your faith is love. So if you, if you keep that, then we help, or well, I try to help reassure you that you're on the right track. You know, unfortunately, you know, my parents were not correct in what they were thinking. You know, God was about love. Jesus was about love. He was always loving people. The rest of the, the book, the Bible, you know, it could be left up to anybody's interpretation. 
you know. So it doesn't matter what they believe in, but that seems to work because we're also very highly medicated. We're a system of pharmacy, the drugs and all that stuff, and that truly is not working. So getting away from, I mean, growing closer to our faith is much better than growing away from it. Because right now the pharmaceutical companies, you take one pill for this and you have this other mm-hmm. reaction, and we have so many veterans are out there taking so many pills, and, and we are supported by the veterans hospital. When I go for a checkup, I come back with bags of pills. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's just a system. It's just a system, and it really doesn't work. So I find it that people are happier being closer to nature and, and whatever, however they want to be, however they want to praise or, or whatever they want to believe in, we, we counsel them based on their faith, if, that, if, if I was clear enough, because that's basically oh, yeah. what it is. And we don't teach. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's nothing. It's, it's, it's all about love. That's it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what anybody believes in. Love should be the premise of all of that. And you're worthy. You know, mm-hmm. so that's how we, yeah. that's how we get past a few things because people only come for that reason. They want faith based. They don't want the the pills. They're drinking and then drugging. They're still self medicating. So and mm-hmm. then it's still a form of self medicating when you're taking psychotropic medications for things. I mean, whatever anything to control your mind. You're still you know you're running from something. So those of us who believe that we are worth worthy and those of us who help others and advocate with the others and, and help them understand or help them see that you know you are loved it's it's not a bad thing it's okay it, it's it works it works mm-hmm. oh yeah you know you have shelter you're in an environment mm-hmm. where you're mm-hmm. where you're supported and mm-hmm. like you said you know that you're not only cared about but you are loved and mm-hmm. often like you like you said you hear people they're trying to I've talked to people who have said, you know, well, I walked away from church because I wasn't feeling love, but there's that mm-hmm. void in their life and they're, and they're mm-hmm. looking for that. And so it's a way right. to find their way back to mm-hmm. feeling loved. That's mm-hmm. it. The, I mean, mm-hmm. really, that's it. And, and, feeling, and, and feeling worthy, feeling mm-hmm. appreciated. Um, there's a few practices out there. I've, I've uh, done some research into I love Buddhism, the practice of Buddhism mm-hmm. where everything is within. And so I've started practicing Buddhism. I love it, you know, mm-hmm. Nietzsche Buddhism more specifically. Because it, it, everyone on the planet, every human being has good within. It's there. So it's just a practice to help you tap into your, your inner good. And that, I mean, sometimes you have, I have guys who've been here, honestly, white Republican Catholics, and we'll have them downstairs chanting. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And feeling mm-hmm. better. I mean, they would cry because they, they, one guy, you know, he killed a lot of men, and so it would haunt him because he felt like the fathers, he killed fathers of children, and he has sons himself. So he has his own two children. So he, he couldn't get past it. So he, he was really struggling. He was really struggling. But he wasn't drinking. He wasn't doing drugs. But we helped him faith-based. It could be interfaith, interdenominational. It doesn't matter. As long as love is the base, as long as love is the foundation of it, you'll be okay. Mm. That so far has been working. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you say that because um, I had talked to um, here in Michigan. They have a group that's called the Warriors Trust Fund, and mm-hmm. they're dealing with people who have 
gotten in trouble with the law, and it's often it's related to their service, you know, um, mm-hmm. the drugs that they're on, PTSD. Yeah. And mm-hmm. one component of it that they started to do was to have a place that after you go in for that regular counseling or whatever, is that they were going in and they were doing meditation and yoga. Mm-hmm. And she was mm-hmm. saying, like, how at first there was some, mm-hmm. oh, we don't want to do that. Now mm-hmm. it's almost like overfall. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's sort of like finding that inner peace. That's what so, we're all looking for in the system. Mm-hmm. In the system, we're trying to, we're really all just trying to survive the system and find happiness, love, and peace. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you said that you were talking to your brother and you're like, you know, about doing the, this housing. What was the reaction to or the support from the community? And I see you've got a nice board there, hood in it. But what was the, when you put that out there, I want to do my brother's house, and this is what it's going to be about. And what was the reaction? Well, at first it was really good. Well, I'm not going to say at first, but initially it was very good. Okay, we're going to house mm-hmm. veterans. Okay, well, we're doing it anyway. So let's mm-hmm. do it on a national level. Let's find veterans in California that need houses. And if we can't house them, let's direct them to the resources that can house them. Let's connect with, with the because there are lots of um, resources out here. A lot of people don't have access to it. They don't know. So let's find out so that I had a couple that, that drove to California. Veterans, they drove to California, but they didn't know where to go. In any, any state, you always first you can go to the veterans, the VA hospital. That's the mm-hmm. great resource. But a lot of people don't know that. They don't know the VA hospital. They don't know where it is. So you start them there, and then you can go to the, on a website, va.gov. You can find out what, what's offered in any state. But there are agencies that partner also with the VA that sometimes aren't on the VA websites. So just finding out what, what those are will help people tremendously. So when I first started to do it, it was about uh, – it was just about really housing a couple of guys. It really was. I mean, I figured you make a dent, we'll house a couple of people, that'll be okay. And then it became, because it's such a need, I mean, when I told my brother I was going to do it, he said, oh, okay, well, go ahead and do it. You know, we weren't really <laughs> sure what, I mean, yeah, he's like, okay. Uh-huh. And I'm going to call my brother's house. And the reason why I chose that name was because if people are coming, say, out of prison or out of a hospital or wherever they're coming from, and we can set them up with housing, and they say, okay, well, where are you going to go? Do you have a place to go? And if they know we exist, and they say, well, I'm going to my brother's house, there would be no stigma like oh, I'm going to go to this covenant house. It wouldn't seem as though they were going to a residential place. It would seem mm. as though they were going to a family member's house. That's why I chose to call it that. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to Detroit. Where are you going to Detroit? Yeah, I'm going to my brother's house in Detroit. So you would mm. think, that, okay, well, I'm going to go hang out with my brother in Detroit. So it doesn't, it, there's no stigma with you feeling ashamed of your next, you know, the next place where you're going to go, where you're, where you're uh-huh. going to be housed. So it didn't make me feel, initially when, we, when I thought about it, I just thought, okay, it would be a great way to, to keep a couple of people off the street because there's a need. Um, so that was great. But when we turned the corner to house LGBTQ veterans, because then I realized there was no safe housing, people were a little concerned for me. Like, what are you doing? Why are you going to put yourself out there? You have to be careful because people are really friendly and people are full of hate. And I'm like, and you're right. You're absolutely right. And I thought about it. I thought, wow, my brother's, it's not about turning my brother's house into a house for just 
straight people. It's not about turning it into an organization that only houses gay people. Everybody who should should be housed should be able to have safe and supportive housing. Regardless of the sexuality, who cares about that? So there was some concern about, for me and my safety, because now if someone knows that this is a house for veterans and they're gay and lesbian, those who may not like the fact that people are gay and lesbian and served in the military may not like the house and may not like me. But that, I don't, I don't, I don't, have, I don't have time to worry about that. So mm-hmm. I, I can't worry about that. There's a need, and we're going to satisfy the need, and what are you going to do? I mean, I served in the military for eight years. I, too, am trained as a military soldier with um, special weaponry in my own background. I'm not really mm-hmm. worried about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, no, really. I mean, you know, and and like there, there are a lot of places, and so you're, and it isn't it better that you're upfront about what you're doing and who That's you're right. serving, and That's those right. who don't, you know, that that's the least of their concerns will mm-hmm. come. The other ones, that's right, they won't. <laughs> they go someplace else. That's mm-hmm. it. So mm-hmm. if this turns into something, whereas, um. It ends up being the gay, because it, it has it's changed. You know, initially, like I said, there was only a couple of guys. Then it went from guys to women. Mm-hmm. Then it went from okay, because you know you have white guys, black guys. Okay, fine. And then you have women, and like okay, women. Okay, well let me find a place for her. Look, I got a little cut over here. You'll be safe. Then okay, gay a gay woman, and then this gay guy. Okay, fine. Yeah, I got you over here. It's it never dawned on me that every place for a veteran wasn't safe and secure. It didn't dawn on me. It really just didn't. I mean, I guess sometimes I'm just so naive in certain things, but, I, but then again, I'm not. Because when we went to see how veterans' homes were run, there was no – I heard a guy actually say, well, I don't want to live with no faggot. And, and mm-hmm. I said, oh, my goodness. I, I was in North Carolina and mm-hmm. for, for, near Fort Bragg because we were thinking of opening one there – we were thinking about opening, you know, wherever the need was. So we said, well, if we do one here, we know it won't be a straight house. I mean, a gay house, we won't put the vet mm-hmm. here. You know, maybe we'll have to find another house for gay veterans. So then I realized the society is, is sort of dictating my direction. But nonetheless, I still am doing what I'm going to do, if that makes sense. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, I don't want to put I – I don't want to house you or put you someplace or, or suggest a place where you really are not safe. I don't want that. How do you live that way? Um, so I, I've noticed that even vets don't want to live with each other. So it's like, okay, guys, well, I'll put the, we'll have this house. But my intake process, the question is, is you homosexual, heterosexual, bisexual, whatever, I need to cover all those rules so that you understand in this home is safe and this is where you'll be as a homosexual person, transgendered, whatever, whatever your, 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 whoever you are, whatever your sexuality is, you do have a right to safe housing. And that's what I want my brother's house to, to be known for, a place where anybody who served in the military can find safe shelter. Do you envision having, like, a house for single individuals, but then as you go along, something that would accommodate a family, if you had a, a, a female veteran or a male veteran, 
because I met a I met a male veteran who he came back and the woman handed him the kid and said, "See, I mean, uh, I mean, so are you envisioning having like single people and then a family type situation?" That I mean, I envision having everybody, and I'm glad you say that because I I was just interestingly enough. I think I spoke to you about this a little bit. I was just told about a house in Detroit. Now, the house in Detroit would be for whoever needs the housing. I I house uh, single people and I house families. So the house in Detroit, uh, we're we're supposed to come there, look at this house, and that would be for family. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. Any property, I will accommodate anyone. I will accommodate a family, a single person, it, it doesn't matter. Women with children, men with children, I house everybody, gay, straight, Republican, Democrat. It, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So my vision, my vision is to continue to house all veterans and their families. That's what we do. That's it. And we're currently doing that. I could use a lot more help because there's a lot of need. There's, the need is great. So I, I didn't think that I would need so much assistance. But, you know, we try the, – the work – this is something I'll probably do for the rest of my life because mm-hmm. cause the need is so great. Now, I you know, I, I know that, you know, you're looking at the house here. And mm-hmm. what initially, you know, when I saw it, I said, oh, she's got, you know, you're thinking like a big facility in one place. But you're mm-hmm. nationwide. How do you envision it being nationwide, a series of houses or, you know, just various configurations that one might be a single home, one might be an apartment building. How do you see it? Well, just like you said it, one might be a home, one might be an apartment building, one might be an old motel, one might be whatever it takes, exactly the way you're saying it. Mm -hmm. Because if you have a – there, like, for instance, there's this project that I'm, I'm sort of working on, very, very beginning stages, in, uh, in Nevada. The homeless population of veterans there is just another, another, ooh, L.A. and Nevada is just too much. Uh, so there are a lot of homeless vets out there. So I'm working with uh, this bishop of a church, and she called and was asking me some information and wanted to know how I was doing, you know, what I'm doing with my brother's house. And the interest that this church has only specifically is for the LGBTQ uh, veterans. I thought that was wonderful. I thought mm-hmm. that was great because that's right up my alley. And so I did give them some information on how I'm doing this nationwide. This, is, this happens through partnerships and networking. That's the only way that this happens. That's the only way it happens. I'm networking with people who have properties that don't mind housing a veteran. Mm-hmm. I don't own all of these properties. I may not. Own, I don't have to own them to network to get people into safe and supportive housing. So, people, it 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 looks it looks as um not complex. Um, what? Okay, there's so many different needs, and my brother's house wants to meet all those needs. So what ends up happening to me is that, like I said, I, I, people that have bought houses in Detroit decide yeah, they don't want to deal with renting. They don't want to deal with the renters. They don't want to deal with certain things. Um, are you interested? I have veterans that, that have properties that they don't want to use anymore that they may want to donate. I have citizens that, I mean, it's just the, my database is growing of people mm-hmm. that want to help. And it's like necessary. It doesn't have to be monetary. It's just housing. 
you know, and the cow thing we can do over the phone. So it's there. So I envision my brother's house for now until I'm gone to have houses where if a guy wants a, just a room, he can, he can have a room to where there's a family of five and, the, and, you know, the guy he's out and he's maybe having a tough time. He's a vet and he has a family, his wife and children or his, just his children. We house them as well. Or if I can have a, somebody wants to give up a motel and cause I'm working on so many different projects mm-hmm. um, to, and, I, and we restore it and make that a place for veterans to live and they all have their own single rooms there, whatever it takes to get people off the street and to give them safe and supportive housing, that's what I'm willing to do. The only criteria is that the person who we house cannot be drinking or using drugs. Those are, mm-hmm. And it's a faith-based setting. That's it. I don't care who you sleep with. Mm-hmm. It's just faith-based because we tend to do better with people. We tend to, first of all, managing people's personalities, that's an art. Because <laughs> some mm-hmm. people just may not like each other. You know, you and I, we aren't drinking. We're not doing drugs. We just don't like each other. And that's okay. But you have a right to safe housing, and I have a right to safe housing. So, and that's, just, that's, that's what I want to offer. And that's, what I, that's, that's the vision from now yeah. until, until I'm gone. Uh, you know, I think that it's nice, too. Like you said, you're coming in and you're, you're forming these partnerships with mm-hmm. someone who might be, you know, because what the needs of veterans, like you said, in L.A. might be mm-hmm. different than what the needs of veterans are in Detroit, mm-hmm. in, in New York, mm-hmm. Philadelphia. in Philadelphia. That's right. Uh, and so by partnering with people who are on the ground, mm-hmm. I mean, that sort of really makes it more more viable. I can see how that would be, you know, how do you reach them? You know, you can't mm-hmm. walk into a city and you don't know where the veterans are, where you're going to find the veterans. But by That's partnering right. with X organization, they mm-hmm. do. That's right. That's, you're absolutely right, and it's just that simple. It's just that simple. I try to keep it simple, and, and, and I, I'm learning as I'm going along. Believe me, this, this is only two years old, so I'm still mm-hmm. learning as I go along. Initially, I thought because a vet, if he was homeless and I found some shelter, he would be a happy vet. Mm-hmm. That's not the case. That's not the case. <laughs> I may find you shelter, but you may not like this guy in this other room over here. So now you guys are, are, are arguing or having issues, and I'm thinking, like, wait a minute, guys. Wait, 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 wait. What does it matter if this is a female in the house or if there's a gay person? Wait, 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 wait. My thinking was that I thought that shelter would be enough. But it's not because you're dealing with human beings. But nonetheless, everybody has the right to be, have safe, supportive housing, and that's who we are. And I'm turning no one away. If I can find it, I will find it. If you have a room in your home and you're willing to share with a veteran, I'll try to find a vet that fits and see if you guys can work it out and get you some funding and do what we have to do to get that person off the street. You know, in many ways, it's like you had, besides your education, you had the on-the-job training preparing you for what you're doing now. You know, it's like I'm sure That's that true. like some of your, your health and, and your human services skills, you're using them. You're using your counseling. It's like, wow, well, I just want right. to... Like you said, you wanted to find them someplace and they'd have a roof over their head. Now you have to put on your counselor hat. You have to put on the other hat. You have to put on That's other right. Hat. That's mm-hmm. true. So, yeah, been... and so eventually, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, finish telling me. What's, 
eventually what that has caused me to do is to have to sit back and then reflect because it changes, you know, what's happening. How best can I serve the community? How best can I do that? That's why I went back to get the doctorate in the counseling. So I figure, okay, human services, okay, that's enough. But, you know, I really want a faith-based organization, so let me go to a faith-based school and, and, and learn more of how to counsel people based on their own beliefs. So that's why I went back to school. So to help me train, my training, I'm using that definitely to do the best that I can to service the people that, I, that I'm trying to help house. That's something. Yeah. So, be, you know, you went back to that. What else have you learned that you never thought you'd have to do when you initially had that good thought, I'm just going to provide them a safe space? What other skills have you had to go back and either learn or learn how to negotiate with people? Absolute negotiation from, quite honestly, um, the financial piece. Mm-hmm. Like how, not housing, and then helping fund the housing. Now the money is coming from different resources. If they if they if they have retirement, excellent. If they have some kind of disability check, excellent. Because now I can pay the lights, the gas, the water, um, you know, the rent or whatever it is that needs to be paid, so you can stay here. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I had to put on my business hat to do that. You know, I go back and say, okay, this as a as a person that, that needs to keep the house open, we need to have this amount of money. So um, this person, you need to contribute this amount of money, you need to contribute that so that the house continues to run because it, it really is a business. There's nothing that's free. Um, but I've also learned to find benefits through like different places like, like utility companies that have each department they have a charitable department. So I've learned that. Oh, well, there's some charitable departments. Maybe we can get, you know, some help with this or some help with that. I've learned that I need to contact Corporate America and ask their help because they will get a write-off if they help, if they find a charity that they find viable and worth helping. And so, therefore, that's what happened. So I've learned now, you know, that I have to how to write grants. I've learned how to partner with people who write grants. I've learned how to give presentations to corporate America to, to, to seek assistance. So I've learned with the people, now that's the corporate side, with the human services side, I've learned that to manage behaviors is another, like I said, an art within its, in and of itself. The goal for me is to keep your house. To manage your mm-hmm. behavior, I look at you as not a person that I want to get rid of because you're getting on my nerves and I just want to house you. I look, I look at the behavior as just that. It's just the behavior. It is not the person. So I've learned to become more patient. I've learned that because mm-hmm. I thought it was just going to be simple. Melissa, you're homeless. You need a place. Okay, here we go over here. There you go. Now, you said you have $400. You have to give me the money so we can pay this. And then you decide, well, I don't want to do this because, you know, you're causing all – it's just the mental, <laughs> the mind mm-hmm. to manage behaviors has been the challenge. But it's not so challenging to the point where I would stop this because people are free to stay and people are free to go. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I try to lock you in any litigation. If you don't mm-hmm. want to stay here, you're free to go. So some people just need a minute to get here, maybe – something happened with the family or maybe they can go back to the family or maybe a family member died. Like I know a dad, a guy who lost his dad because his dad had a heart attack and they lost their house. So he just needed to, he needed to get back on the seat. So, but it's, 
it's never you never you never have to leave. So what I what I've learned with my time working in shelters, how you have to get up, you have to get out. I that's not natural a natural way of living. I mean, I know most of us have to get up every morning and go to work, come back home. That's the shelter setting, but then there's a cutoff. So what I try to do is I try not to make people feel like they're in a shelter. I mean, I mean this is your home. They clean it. They fix it. They take care of the yard. They do everything in it. Mm-hmm. That's Yeah, I make that a change because this is your home. And if you don't know what it what requires to, to you know if you don't know what the requirements are to stay in a home then here's a list of them this is what you have to do no no drugs no alcohol that's the first you have to do at least one 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 session of counseling at least once a week you know maybe twice a month it depends on, on what you got going on you know if you're mm-hmm. feeling okay uh, but at least once a week just check in it's really like a check-in thing you know and then it, it's all been something that's just it's just developing. Like I said, I don't have all the answers, but I'm learning so much um, because my goal, again, my focus is to house the veterans mm-hmm. and offer safe housing for them. So it's been an interesting ride. Okay, well, we're going to take our second break here. And um, if you're just joining me, I'm talking with Dr. Amaya Simpson, and we're talking about my brother's house, which is providing homes for veterans especially LGBTQ veterans, but primarily for veterans. We'll be right back. Collections by Michelle Brown airs every Thursday at 7 p.m. You can subscribe now and listen to the podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Be sure to like the Collections by Michelle Brown Facebook page and mark your calendar so you never miss an episode. Here on Collections by Michelle Brown. Dr. Simpson, you know, I found out about you in part because um, when you were being recognized by DBQ Magazine, we were allowed 100 LGBTQ people of color. And you were standing, I think I saw a picture of you standing next to a friend of mine, Nathan James. I'm going like, who is that? What's she do? Oh, that's <laughs> fascinating. I want to know more about it. But I also saw where the Philadelphia 76ers uh, <laughs> honored you with a salute of the game. How surprising was that to you to get this kind of recognition? Because I know often people who are doing what they know they were called to do, that's why you're doing it. Not so much about this accolations, but to get this kind of recognition. How surprising was that? And what does that mean to you? You know, it, it was very surprising. <laughs> uh, honestly, I had been housing veterans for about two years, a year, my brother and I, about a year or two. But the difference is that I am offering safe and secure housing for all veterans to include LGBT veterans. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. as an LGBT person. So what I find or I'm finding is that my community is really pushing me out there. My community is really happy about the work that I'm doing for the LGBTQ veterans, the LGBTQ people. So that's where I started getting all of this recognition. Um, and I, I'm really happy to, to do what I'm doing, and I'm happy for the recognition because it is something that I really believe should just be. I, I don't, you know, this this should just be. When I found out that there was there wasn't a house for the LGBTQ veterans, I, I was I was I was I was really shocked because in my mind I said, well, I'm LGBTQ, and my house is for LGBTQ veterans or anybody. It doesn't matter, <laughs> you know, it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but realistically, no, it isn't. You know, they they don't ask you about your sexuality or or, or your prep or whatever. It's just that okay. Most houses we've gone to, and that's why we're looking at the, um, and I'm hearing the same from my partners or different people I'm, I'm trying to network with, the houses are there. Housing is there, but it's not safe. So who, who does that? Who, who lives that way? We have a lot. We have a, this is the case in Nevada. We have tons of Las Vegas. Oh, my gosh. There's lots of homeless people. There's, there's housing. The state has a state-run um, veterans home out there. But to visit and see are there any LGBTQ vets that feel safe, transgendered veterans, do you feel safe here? That's not the case. So we're working on, on that. So what's happened is that I'm getting this attention, but I'm hoping that it brings attention to the cause, not to myself. I'm not really interested in all mm-hmm. of that. Please bring attention to the cause and let's do something about it. It doesn't matter to me about the pictures and all that. It really doesn't. Um, if I can tell you, like I appreciate you allowing me to come on and you using this, also your platform, to get this information out. If you can help me help our veterans that are LGBTQ, please let's just do that. That's, that's really what I want. That's what I want to do. So, I mean, I'm getting all this notice simply because of that difference. And I believe that that's why I'm getting all the recognition. I'm, I just, and I think it's great because this needs to be known. Someone, this is way overdue. Well, you know, I think the other thing that I think that is, is great is my brother's house is about serving veterans. And like you said, mm-hmm. that they have a safe place, that it's a place mm-hmm. where you said there's no drugs, there's no drinking. You're helping mm-hmm. them get back to going. Mm-hmm. And I think that often what I like about you getting the recognition is often people talk like LGBTQ people, we're invisible. We don't, you know, mm-hmm. oh, they don't know mm-hmm. anything about that. But mm. you so intimately know about the needs of a veteran and you're standing there and doing it not just for lgbtq veterans but you're you're talking about issues that affect all veterans now Mm -hmm. those who want to come to my brother's house there's a there's a guideline of what you have to be your you know your you can't you can't obviously be a bigot and and live there because you know you're making it but to talk about first of all that there are LGBTQ veterans that they aren't safe, but many veterans aren't safe. And to show you that, you know, we take our role and leadership, and there's an awful lot of 
LGBT people who do that. And I think often if you've been oppressed, if you've been discriminated mm-hmm. against, mm-hmm. you can recognize, appreciate right. it, and fight mm-hmm. back. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's, that, yeah. And you're absolutely right in that. And that's why this makes it so easy for me. I don't have mm-hmm. to give much thought to this. I've been a person that has been, even today, I'll, I'll walk some, I'll, I'll send a resume and I'll go and they'll, they'll see me and they'll look at me and like, oh, are you doctors? And, and I'll look around and I'll say, yeah, depending upon what part of the country I'm in. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's uh-huh. me. <laughs> uh-huh. So, uh-huh. so I've, I've, I've been there, you know, I, I understand, I understand the need to feel appreciated and valued. So for me, I, it's just something that everybody should have because you flourish, you, you thrive when you feel loved, when you feel valued, when you feel appreciated, and you live a happier life. And that's just the bottom line. What else is there? We're going to go through this. We're going to make our stand. We're going to go through life. We're going to, we're going to do what we're going to do, hopefully leave um, a good mark on the world and, and pass on through that's what we're doing. I mean, I say it so simply, but that's really what we're doing. So mm-hmm. for people not to, for people to, to be in a country as, as rich as this country and especially fight for the freedoms of this country and not have the basic, basic freedom or basic need met, it's just, it's just a really big, bad mistake. So we have to do something about that. Mm-hmm. And with my community, the sub-community, the LGBTQ people, definitely there, there's so many um, absolute uh, things that we've done to be a positive contributors to our society that it's just not fair. It's just simply not fair. So I will have every venture, and I mean it. So I guess that's why maybe they're, they're looking at me because I'm starting to get uh, calls from people that you provide the safe housing for LGBTQ veterans. And I'm like, yes, I, I do. Do you know one? Are they okay? Do they need, do they need some place to stay? Let's get started. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. which is so exciting because I have, I'm, I've joined uh, some of the LGBTQ organizations and like I said, partnering with people and networking with people and which offers a segue into the next house that we are going to be opening is going to be the exclusive house, and I've chosen the city of Philadelphia for different Yay. reasons. Yeah, <laughs> you know, the city of brotherly love. That's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be that way. And so I've sat with the mayor there, and the executive director of LGBTQ affairs there, and they're so elated about us bringing my brother's house, the LGBTQ house for veterans there. And so mm-hmm. I've partnered with some people, and I've I've got some houses that are that are are contenders and we're working on that and and I'm so hopeful to get that open during the pride season that would be so much fun you know we have uh you know yeah because you know gay people love to party Uh (laughs) so we have a big old party so do you I mean so what's it going to look like in in the house that I mean do do you already have a property in mind or I have a couple properties in mind Uh I have a few in mind now I have a few in mind Uh, one I'm looking at now is, is it's a home it's a three-bedroom, mm-hmm. one-bathroom home. That will be the very first house exclusively for LGBTQ vets. Mm-hmm. It's, wow. a home. it's a nice, intimate space, and we'll go from there. We'll go from mm-hmm. there. I mean, if I have to, 
get another a larger home or do whatever we have to do if as long as the demand is there and we can finance it of course uh, I'm, I'm on a fundraising tour right now uh, I'm that's what I'm doing every weekend through the summers we're just fundraising and uh, trying to come up with enough money to put down on a property um, that's that's what that's what we're doing so we'll start that with this exciting. one yeah mm-hmm. and uh, oh my god you're invited to the opening so I'll let you know when we open oh, definitely, you're absolutely invited. Definitely. and mm-hmm. um, the the mayor's the mayor's office is excited about it um, mm-hmm. Nathan James uh, who is the VP of LGBTQ affairs for my brother's house is super excited about it um, he put the thought in my head after doing the research to find out that there was actually no house for LGBTQ veterans and I didn't believe him I said, yes, there are. There are. Come on. And, and I didn't. But the way he explained it, and when we, when we look at it, yeah, if you're a veteran and you need housing, yes, you can go and you can get some help, but you can't say you're gay. Huh. Now, what kind of sense does that make? So what are we going to talk about if we're sharing a house? So what are you and I going to talk about at the dining room table? Oh, really? We've already, yeah. yeah, we've lived that way already. We've already mm-hmm. lived that way. We've lived mm-hmm. where we had to mm-hmm. hide and call our husband, our wife, or our partner, or him, or them, or it, uh, you know, your, whatever. Your cousin. <laughs> your cousin, right, your sister. Mm-hmm. We've done that. Mm-hmm. So why should mm-hmm. we have to do that in our, in our later years? And we find more, more people that are coming out of the military are younger people. We have a lot of younger people that are, that are gay, people that are, that are serving these, these, um, in these campaigns, Afghanistan, Iraq. Uh, it's just they need to be able to, to, to have a safe, secure place. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, it's funny. You know, um, Dr. Imani Woody, who's in D.C., she's doing Mary's House for Older Adults. And hers hmm. are like that. And that's what she said, to have a place. Mm-hmm. That she found many people were like self isolating because they didn't mm-hmm. feel about talking about being gay. But to find a place where you can just be unapologetically yourself and Definitely. everyone who's around you understands and knows. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean it's not a big right. deal. And right. especially, like you said, with the things that come through having served, even now. I mean, because I met mm-hmm. a young woman who wasn't that long out. And she said, and coming back, there are still some things that didn't know, many of the things like you're talking about with the veterans, which she said she hadn't really paid attention to. Mm-hmm. She said, maybe they did tell me. Maybe they didn't. I don't mm-hmm. know. But but mm-hmm. then when she was trying to go get a job and mm-hmm. she had lots of challenges and issues, and there was a period of time where she was couch surfing, mm-hmm. you know, till she got back and when you think, when I think of my brother's house, here's someone who she needed some time to re-enter her community, to mm-hmm. reacclimate herself, and rather to, than port, you know, couch surf, if she had had a place like my brother's house to go to while she got it together, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it probably right. would have sped the process along. It, it yeah. definitely would have sped it along. We have, I mean, there, there's definitely, right now, we still have, there's still funding through agencies right now, today. People need to know that. If you know someone, a relative, if you see someone on the street, there's still resources that will help find housing for veterans. It's out there. The money's out there right now. Now, before they start mm-hmm. cutting budgets, people need to understand that. So, yeah, if you contact me at my brother's house, 
um, then I can give you, it doesn't matter what state you're in. I could, pr- mm-hmm. I could provide you at least with a resource, you know, with a number in your area to speak to someone that's maybe that, that's a subcontractor for the government that works directly with the VA the Department of Veterans Affairs to get you help, to get you some housing. I mean, not, not only housing, if you have some issues with substance abuse, if you're feeling um, like mental health issues, if you have any of those things, I mean, definitely call, contact a VA hospital in every single state. And you have privy, you're privy to that. You know, now what's real important that you have to understand with my brother's house, I will house veterans that have received dishonorable discharges for being gay. Mm, Now, that's an important piece that I need to put out there. Some people will not, when you're seeking funding, if a person received a dishonorable or other than honorable discharge, the funding is not available. It's only available to the honorably discharged people. So if you have received anything other than an honorable discharge, my brother's house will still house you. Now, we have to be creative with the funding, but mm-hmm. I will still find a way to get you some housing. You've got to work with me, though. You may have to work with me, and you may have to work, mm-hmm. but we'll do it. So I just want to put that out there. I think that's important. I think that it, I think that it really is a, because I think there's some people well, they know that and they feel all doors are shut and That's there's correct. still the right. need. So That's right. how can we help my brother's house? Because I know what you're doing as far as the housing, but it sounds like to me you're also an information warehouse where people can come to you. And, you know, I think that organizations need to know about you, but then how can we help you Continue to do the good work that you're doing. Well, you're helping me right now by offering this platform. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so we're having this conversation. We're having this discussion. We're letting people know that people like me exist, that my brother's house exists. Um, unfortunately, we don't have enough people that will actually house veterans safely. So fortunately, I'm here for that. You know, we, we will house you. We will offer you safe housing as an LGBTQ veteran. That is the, the best part of this whole thing. And you could help by donating time, resources, um, anything you can come up with, especially in our community of people. If the LGBTQ community people will get together, help me open up one house for the LGBTQ people, veterans actually, we could do that together in every mm-hmm. city in America. We could do mm-hmm. that. We could help my brother's house expand its reach because we know for a fact, I, I mean, I, was, I lived in the military, I was in the military as an LGBTQ person, and there's a bunch of gays in the military. So for, mm-hmm. for the people, yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and there's a lot of people who are gay who can't go home. So definitely, definitely, you could help by continuing to share this information with, with your network of people. Um, people can contact me, uh, my phone number. Can I get the phone number? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. The phone number you can reach me at is 202-379-5571. You can visit the website. You can donate on the website. You can follow what we're doing. Uh, the website is www.mbhouse.org. 
M is in my, B is in brothers, house.org. So mbhouse.org, uh, go there, donate. And, and if you have questions, I mean, the email is there. Um, you can send me information through the, web, through the website. You can email me through the website. If you're interested in donating to my brother's house and you're interested in donating to house LGBTQ veterans, you can email me and let me know that. Now, if you're interested mm-hmm. in just donating to my brother's house, uh, that's fine too. You can do that because we house everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, and I want to thank Dr. you for the opportunity to talk about it. <laughs> well, Dr. Simpson, I want to thank you for the work that you're doing. Um, I'm going to watch for that that coming down to to Philadelphia for oh, for that opening, and oh, you know, and to seeing you when you're in Detroit, because absolutely. I have to, to see the kind of things that you're doing. I. So I want to thank you again for your time. Um, I'm going to put up all the information and uh, about how to reach you. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll have your contact information, the website for my brother's house. Uh, there's also a Facebook page for those who are going to go through Facebook, and, and they can reach you that way. Thank you so much, and I do appreciate you having me on today. Okay. Well, you have a great weekend. You too. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. I want to thank today's guest, Dr. Ramoya Simpson of My Brother's House, a nonprofit organization providing safe, supportive housing for LGBTQ veterans and their families. You can listen to this or past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or Blog Talk Radio. Be sure and like the Collections by Michelle Brown Facebook page and let us know if you have a suggestion for a guest or topic for a future show. Join us next week when I'll introduce you to another amazing individual living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of our intersectionality and creating change right here on Collections by Michelle Brown. Thank you for listening.